Hallelujah. It is wonderful to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor Melody. Thank you for letting us come. And we're expecting wonderful things today. Thank you for coming. You know, thank you for all that are watching online. We appreciate you. But I just want to especially thank those that have stepped out and come here today and being part of the service. We appreciate that. I know Pastor does as well. So let's expect great things today. Amen? So as Robin said, we're coming up on 28 years overseas, five years in Hungary. We've, been, live, we've lived in seven other different nations over the years, but now we live in Hungary. And uh, most of our ministry has been taking place just north of Hungary in Slovakia, Czech Republic, and Poland. We currently have an active Bible school going in Tarnow, Poland, which is in the south near Krakow. We just recorded a couple sessions yesterday. We're having to do everything online right now. But we are looking forward to being back live with them very soon. And so every time we talk to them, we were just talking to them yesterday, are the borders open? Because a lot of these nations, you can cross the border, but then you've got to quarantine for two weeks. And then when you cross back, you quarantine. And so when we travel, that just wouldn't make any sense at all. We'd spend more time quarantining in hotels than we would be ministering. But anyway, we are believing God to get back as soon as possible. This has been one of the longest stints we've ever had in the United States. So we're excited to be getting back there as soon as possible. And so Robin mentioned Isaac and Janessa. We're very excited that they're here. Isaac, I always tell people this, so correct me if I'm wrong. Isaac is the advocacy director for Open Doors. How many have ever heard of Open Doors? Amen. You've probably heard of uh, the book God Smuggler, Brother Andrew. That's, he originally pioneered the organization. There's an international branch, there's a USA branch, and Isaac is the advocacy director for the U.S. branch of Open Doors. And Janessa just recently got her doctorate in nursing. She's actually a, a nurse practitioner now. Amen. So after service, she'll be doing exams. Anyone needs help, <laughs> she'll check you up. And uh, they actually have missions on their hearts, so praise God. That's exciting. We're, we're excited for them. We're praying with them for wisdom and direction. It's an exciting time in life. By the way, I did have a word from the Lord when Robin was sharing about us pioneering a church in Budapest. I think this was from God that your church, all of you were supposed to come and help us launch that church. <laughs> Amen. Anybody got a witness? <laughs> all right. We had two hands out of the mouth of two or three. There we go. Hallelujah. So uh, that's our vision. Our vision is to plant a church in Budapest and to continue planting Bible schools. Uh, we were, we've been breaking the ground in Slovakia and Czech Republic for a school there. And we do want to start moving south. You know, Hungary borders seven different nations. We also border the Ukraine. We border Romania. We border Serbia and Croatia and Austria. And so we, we want to go south now into Serbia and Croatia and begin pioneering some things there. Uh, we just need to multiply ourselves a little bit. Hallelujah. We are believing for people to join our team. We are. So... Uh, if, you know, you have questions or feel any unction in that direction, you know, we'd be happy to answer any questions. I remember, like Robin said, we were just ordinary people. We didn't grow up in a minister's family. We didn't grow up with missions on our heart from the age of three, anything like that. You know, we had no idea, really, until, we were, until after we were married. Maybe Robin had some inklings before that, but soon after we were married, you know, we went to Bible school in Tulsa and and God began to sow some things into our lives. But you know what? It was just a matter of being willing to do it. Being willing to do it. And sometimes it was hard. Sometimes it's still hard. 
but we wouldn't trade it for anything. The stories we could tell you, not only of the challenges, but the stories we could tell you of how God came through and the wonderful things we've enjoyed. We've been to over 60 different nations. We've seen so many wonderful places, met wonderful people. It's, we wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, I'd rather be, you know, a, mi a missionary with $10,000 a year than just, you know, me personally just be working a job somewhere in Colorado, you know, making $200,000 a year. You know, I think God wants to bless us and prosper us, but I want to be in His perfect will. Amen? Hallelujah. I did want to say something to enforce what you were ministering on for the offering. He read 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus, who though He was rich, yet for our sakes He became poor. And I saw something a while back that I wanted to share with you real quick. Did you know that you were redeemed from anything that Jesus became? Whatever he became, you're redeemed from. Because he became a curse. Right? Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse. For cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So whatever he became was part of the curse and you're redeemed from it. Hallelujah. I mean, not just... Not just you know, I want to bless you. He says, I will actually take your place. I will become poor so you can be rich. I will become sin so that you can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I will become sick. I will take 39 stripes on my back so that you can be healed by Jesus' stripes. Amen. So that's a, that was a great message. And he said, it. he said, you know, just enough is not enough. Too much is just right. Amen. Too much is just right because there's a lot to do. Hallelujah. All right, before we get into the Word this morning, I do have a couple books that I wrote. I wanted to offer them to you. They're on the table back there. This one is called The Enemies of Faith. The Enemies of Faith, which is a little different perspective on faith. You're, you're faith people. This is a faith church. But sometimes we get this mentality, if I just had more faith. Do you remember the disciples actually asked that one time? They said, Lord, increase our faith. But he didn't increase their faith. He said, if you have faith... As a mustard seed, you can say unto this mountain. And so we've been focusing, focusing on more faith, more faith, more faith. But maybe we just need faith for more. Instead of looking at faith as an amount of something, maybe it's a position. It's a firm persuasion. That's the definition of the Greek word for faith, a firm persuasion. And so this book is about 13 enemies of your faith. And I'll give you a quick little example. You remember when Jesus was walking on the water and he told Peter to come. Peter literally did step out of the boat, and he really did walk on water. Amen? But then we know the story how that later he began to sink, and Jesus said something that's really important to him. He said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And so this book is asking us those questions. Why do we doubt? What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? Because... You know, notice children. Children don't know a whole lot of Scripture, do they? You know, little tiny children. They don't know a whole lot of Scripture, but they believe. Well, how can you do that without memorizing 25 verses? How can you do that without having been to Bible school? Where do children get this amazing faith? They have no reason not to believe. If we can get rid of our reasons not to believe, faith is automatic. Faith is just there. Amen? And so this, this actually helps us, helps expose some enemies of our faith that you may not have thought about. Things that cause you to doubt. And if we get rid of those, then we're going to be in faith. Amen. And then this book here is called Tokens of the Covenant. 
In the King James, it's, it's not so much in the, in the New King James and in other translations, but in the King James Bible, you see the word token quite a bit. Token of the covenant. When God produced the rainbow, he was talking to Noah, and he says, and I will give you a token. And you think, okay, it's just a token, no big deal. It's not the actual covenant. It's not anything real. It's just a symbol. A lot of New Testament uh, or New Translations use the word symbol. But God saw these tokens as a big deal. That's what this book is about. If we make a big deal of the token, he makes a big deal of the covenant. Do you remember the scarlet cord that Rahab had to hang out the window? What if she didn't make a big deal out of that? What if she ignored that? What if she didn't actually hang it out the window? This stupid little rope. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm putting this in a drawer. I don't need this. What would have happened to her and her family? And so the book focuses on some of the tokens of the covenant, including the token of our covenant, our new covenant. God wants to see it. They were all visible. They were something that God could see. When I see the blood, Exodus chapter 12, when I see, and that's what it calls it in Exodus 12. I'm giving you the whole book. You don't need to buy it now. <laughs> when I see the token, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Do you remember that? In Exodus 12, they call it the Passover. Amen. That was all because the blood had to be visible. It wasn't enough to just shed the lamb. They had to do something with the blood, didn't they? They had to make it visible, put it on the door. I am so jealous of your hair. I saw that. I know that's off the wall, but I saw him earlier and I thought, man, where, where did it go? <laughs> anyway, so those books over there on the table. Sorry, that was kind of off the wall. Or as my daughter would say, random. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, those are available for you guys. Hallelujah. Well, I've used all my time. <laughs> time to sit down. Hallelujah. All right. Well, I think we should pray. And let's, uh, I have a, a message. It's a, it's a new message for me. And so I'm believing God to help me to get it said the way it needs to be said and for it to come into your heart the way it needs to come into your heart and i believe it can change your life i i'll tell you what i can think i think of comments that i heard in a sermon 10 years ago another comment i heard seven years ago another comment and those things have changed my life they all come together they all work in me but you know you you've all heard it you've all been in services where something was said that changed your life amen so let's believe god together today for this to change our lives. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Father, this is your time. We commit it completely to you that everything we say and everything we do would please you, lift you up, and glorify you. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for these pastors and every member who is so essential and so vital to the supply of this congregation. I thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for them. And today, let us be able to build upon that. Let us contribute to that. Together, as we build the kingdom and glorify you, I thank you, Father, that you manifest yourself today among us. Transform us that we'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want to thank you also, again, I thanked Pastor for the, the wonderful fruit basket, the, the basket we have in our hotel room. I mean, it's this giant, giant basket, and then next to it was this big bag of food, a whole, and I thought, 
I felt, I, I felt like the children of Israel when they plundered Egypt, you know. <laughs> we came out with all this stuff. I told Robin, I said, we won't have to eat anything else for a week. <laughs> Praise God. So last night, you know, we're just going through the bags. Yum, yum. Praise God. You know, um, I was praying about these meetings, and I felt like the Lord told me what to talk about. You see, let's look at a couple of scriptures. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and these are all going to be familiar verses to you. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says... For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Everybody say spirit of fear. But of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, and, and, and Paul was saying that to Timothy to, to encourage him in his ministry. Because the verse before that, he says, stir up the gift that's within you. In verse 6, he's telling Timothy to stir up the gift. But in verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. And if you study this, you see the word spirit of many times in scriptures. Not just the spirit of God. That's something different. That's a noun. That's someone. But the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. You know, it's one thing to be afraid of one particular event. Like maybe you're going to audition for something. You're nervous about the audition or you have a job interview and you're nervous about that. You're a little fearful. That's one thing. But we're going to look at the spirit of things. And there's not just the spirit of fear. There's other things. But the spirit of is when something becomes part of you. All right? Now, I want you to get this because, again, we all sometimes fear a specific thing or an event, you know. But the Bible teaches that there can be a spirit of something upon you. In other words, it can become part of who you are. And so God does not give us a spirit of fear. It's not God's will, God's plan for you to have fear in your DNA to where you're pretty much afraid of everything. You're a fearful person. You're a worrying person. In fact, you remember in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus talked about, uh, we all know verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. He says that in response to people worrying. How many times he says in Matthew 6, do not worry. Do not worry what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. And finally, the third time Jesus said, do not worry saying. Because if you worry long enough, sooner or later you're going to Say it. And what happens when you say it? You, your words will not return to you void. Good or bad, your words do not return to you void. They accomplish things. And, and we know Matthew or uh, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are what? In the power of the tongue. Amen. And so, you know, he's, don't worry. Don't, because sooner or later, you're going to start saying it. And when you begin to say what you're afraid of, when you begin to talk about the fear, then the spirit of fear begins to come into you. And, and you know, some people might teach it's a real spirit. I don't know, and I'm not going to go there. But it's just something that becomes part of you. But we know, let's, let's go look at uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Let me turn there. Thank God there, we're not at the mercy of the spirit of fear. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 also talks about, let's just go here to verse 13. Uh, 
And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that, knowing, everybody say knowing. You know, I was, we were singing these songs this morning and I thought, man, if we walked out of this church and believed half of what we just sung, we'd do great. Isn't that true? Just look at the words of all these songs we sang. If we really believed half of that when we went out there and talked that way, I think we'd do quite well. Amen. Uh, Let's see. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you. And so we read about a spirit of fear. We read here it talks about a spirit of faith. And you probably all know people that have that spirit of fear about them. They're just worried. They talk fear. They talk doubt. They talk unbelief. You you know, you you feel for them, but on the other hand, you want to slap them. You know what I'm talking about? But then we also know people, we've also probably all met people that just seem to have that spirit of faith about them. You know, what, almost whatever you bring up, well, God's good. God's going to bring us through. That, that's, that's your response all the time. I'll never forget years ago when we had our Bible school in the Netherlands. You know, <laughs> we had uh, we, our first year of Bible school in Holland, we had three men, three men students. And uh, one time... Uh, Hank and Ellen Norman, this Dutch Ray McGrad couple, were visiting the Bible school. And, um, and uh, so I asked the students in the morning, you know, good morning, how's everybody doing? And the three Dutch students are like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then uh, Ellen Norman, the wife, she goes, blessed from coming in, blessed going out, I'm the head and I'm not the tail. <laughs> I mean, she just starts speaking the word. I just said, how are you? And that's what I got. <laughs> and... Uh, and I, I pointed to her and I said, well, you can tell she's been to Ramah, you know. But she, they just, Hank and Ella, they just had that spirit of faith on them. No matter what you talked about, they just spoke the word. They just spoke faith. They had a different spirit about them. Amen? We need to guard against the spirit of fear and strive towards the spirit of faith. And we're going to talk about that. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 13. We see examples of both in this story. This story has always been one of my favorites. There's so many wonderful lessons in here. Numbers chapter 13. This is the chapter, this is the story where, you know, Moses sends in the spies to the promised land. We've all heard the story. But there's some interesting things I want to point out in this. So let's take a moment and let's look through it. Hallelujah. And, you know, again, it's not just that the Bible doesn't only talk about the spirit of fear or the spirit of faith. I'll give you some other examples. You can study. You can see there's a spirit of wisdom in the Bible. It talks about a spirit of wisdom. It talks about a spirit of heaviness. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. There's, the Bible talks about a spirit of counsel. It talks about a spirit of knowledge, a spirit of grace, and a spirit of humility. And that's not all of them. Those are just some of the examples I found that you can have. It can just be part of you. Amen. And there's some things you want, some things here you don't want, but we can strive. We can change and have these things in part of our life. Now, here in Numbers 13, this, it always amazed me how this thing went south so poorly. Because they saw the hand of God, they saw the miracles of God, they had the word of God. Everything was amazing. Of course, they're always whining and complaining. But now Moses picks out, God says, well, let's just start in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am, everybody say, am, 
He said, I am giving to the children of Israel. And if you go back and look in, in Genesis, Exodus, you see this land was promised for years and years and years. A, what does he say? A good land that flows with milk and honey. Amen? I mean, he, he says, I think it's Exodus chapter 3. He says, I have given you the land. And that's the thing with the things of God. He gave them to us before we actually receive them, before we actually see them. In other words, healing is mine before I even see it. He gave it to me. Amen. Provision is mine. I receive it by faith, but it's already mine. It's got my name on it out there. Amen. And the salvation is mine. These things are mine, and they're for every human being on the world. They just need to believe it and claim it. They need to, you know, salvation is for everyone. The price has been paid for everyone on the whole earth to be born again. Amen. But they just need to believe it and receive it. That's the difference. Amen. The blood was enough for everybody. So Moses is, is saying, I'm giving it to you. And, and, and these are the cream of the crop, these guys. If you look, it even says, select the top leader from every tribe. And if you look at the definitions of their names, these are all, you know, amazing names. They, the names of royalty, names of leadership, names of power. There's one guy, his name means a cult. Maybe he was the troublemaker. But anyway, overall, they have a wonderful names. These are wonderful men of God. Yet this whole thing goes terribly south. Maybe north, but it went bad. <laughs> so anyway, it goes on and it gives the names of all these guys and includes Caleb and Joshua. But then I want you to see something here, starting in verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Now look at this. Whether the people who dwell in the land are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. What's going on here? What's Moses, why is he saying all this? Because what he's doing, he's, he's actually opening up their minds to the possibility of failure. He's beginning, it's not like a, a done deal, this is ours, let's go. Well, maybe they're weak, maybe they're strong. Maybe the land is good, but maybe it's bad. I think Moses was wrong in the things that he says here. And again, you know, I, I like Moses, but he's not Jesus. Amen, I think he was wrong. I think he made some mistakes. He goes on to say, again, verse 19 whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor. What is this going on? What is Moses doing? He's beginning to sow seeds of fear. These guys who always thought, probably from young ages, we're going to the promised land. This is going to be great. God's already given it to us. Moses keeps telling us that year after year after year. But now what's he talking about? Strong or weak, good or bad, strongholds or tents. What's all this? You mean there's a chance we won't take the land? You mean there's a chance we can't do this? I believe this is what started the downfall of this event is when Moses began to sow these things, these comments of doubt, fear, and unbelief. All right, now again, you, you know the story. So they do go into the land and they're there for 40 days. And um, let's jump down now to verse number 26. They departed. They came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel. 
in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word. Everybody say word. You know, you're going to see the power of words in action right here. It happens all the time. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows. Now listen to this. When they say the same things that God said, everything goes okay. It's when they begin to say things that God never said that things begin to fall apart. They say it is, where are we here? Verse 27. It truly flows with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. Now, we know that we've all seen the little paintings and stuff. These two guys carrying this giant cluster of grapes on a pole between their shoulders. We, anybody, you've all seen that, you know? And that's really the way the Bible describes it. It says, it says one cluster of grapes, it took two men to carry it. And so this is miraculous, isn't this? I mean, how many of you have ever seen one that big? This is miraculous. It's just like God said it was. But then we have a very, very important word in verse number 28. Now, you, we may have different translations here, different words. Um, in my Bible, which is the New King James, it has, says, nevertheless. Does anybody else have a different word right there? Verse 28. Everyone else, nevertheless? The Dutch Bible, yes? However, okay. I got a revelation of this when, I, when we lived in Holland the Dutch Bible, the word for real in Dutch is echt, E-C-H-T, echt. And the word in the Dutch Bible right there is echter, echter, which means more real. It's like, we don't have a word for more real, realer. But, but that's what it's like. It's the word real with an er on it, echter. In other words, here's these grapes. It's just like God said it is, but... I thought about naming this message, What's Behind Your Butt? Because <laughs> everything goes downhill from here. It all falls apart from here. When they say more real than these grapes and, and everything else we saw is, and they start talking about all these other problems, like, like, and it's not even logical. It doesn't even make sense. It's not more real. Are the giants more real than the grapes? No, but in their eyes, in their perspective, something has come upon them called a spirit of fear. And so they say, more real, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, mo now look, look at this. Moreover, let's just, let's just, it's like catching a fish and saying it's really this big. You know how the more you talk about the fish, the bigger it gets? That's what they're doing. This thing, the giants are getting taller as they talk about them. Moreover, I mean, they're just trying to paint this because they have this spirit of fear and they don't want to go in there. They don't want to risk their lives. They're afraid they're going to, you know, get squished. Let me grab my water real quick. And so they're complaining and they're whining. The Bible actually calls it an evil report. And they start talking in verse 29. Well, in verse 28, they talk about the cities are fortified, very large. We saw the descendants of Anak, verse 29, the Amalekites. And, they, you know, all the, all the ites, including the parasites, they're all there. And then, this is, now, now we see the spirit of faith. Verse number 30. If you, yeah, that'd be great if you could put 30 up there. The spirit of faith. This is what the spirit of faith does. Caleb quieted the people. 
He knew the problem is words. Stop. You keep talking about this, this is going to go south, this is going to fail. So Caleb quieted the people. Have you ever wanted to do that with somebody? You know, you, you're, you're, would you pray with me? You know, and they ask you to pray with them, but then they start talking about how terrible it is and how they're going to die and all these problems, and you just really want to tell them to be quiet. Amen? And you can do it in a loving way, or you can just slap them. Both works. But you want to do something because they've got to stop talking unbelief. Amen? Because life and death truly are in the power of the tongue. Amen? The mountains that we are trying to cast into the sea were built there mostly by our mouths. We put them there. Amen? A lot of them, we put them there. We built the strongholds in our life, and sometimes we have to break them down one word at a time. Amen? Like I said, just, just go out of here today speaking everything that we sang, and you'll do great. Hallelujah. All right, so Caleb quiets the people. Step number one, if you can't, I'm serious, if you can't speak, I don't know why that was funny, if you can't speak faith, just shut, then, then at least shut up, right? He quieted the people, shut up. And did, didn't Jesus do that sometimes? Jesus would go into a house to heal somebody and everybody's whining and moaning and crying and Jesus puts them out, doesn't he? He gets them out of the house. I think that's why Jesus wept. Anyway. And he said, now look at this. He says in verse 30, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. How much did Caleb talk about the giants? How much did he talk about the strongholds? None. I mean, if you talk to Caleb, you'd think they don't even exist. But he focuses on what God had told them. They are well able to take the land and well able to overcome it. Amen. That's, you can see the different spirits. In fact, in chapter 14, I think it's verse 28 of 14, verse 24 of, first, of chapter 14, it says, God says, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. Now, you know the story. You know that only Caleb and Joshua get into the promised land, right? The rest of them all die in the wilderness, unless they were under 20. The children made it. But anybody that was over 20 died in the wilderness except Joshua and Caleb. So there's the spirit of faith. The, the spirit of fear talks about the problems. The spirit of faith talks about the solution, talks about what God has said about it. And the spirit of fear, you're alone. The spirit of faith, you're accompanied by the spirit of God. The spirit of faith knows that God is with you. Amen. The spirit of faith, you're never alone. Amen. I mean, these have been crazy times the past year in a lot of ways, as you know. But aren't you glad that one thing has never changed? Aren't, I mean, it brings a lot of security and peace to me that my God hasn't changed one bit, one bit. And he's not afraid of COVID. He's not afraid of this political party or that political party. What My God is absolutely the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And he's never going to change. He is a good, I like this in James, it says, he is the giver of every good gift and every perfect gift that comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything that's good, everything that's perfect continues to come from God. Amen? And so we don't have to be afraid, and we, we need to stand against fear. We need to resist fear. 
I, you understand what I'm saying? We can't let it creep in because it'll come on you in a subtle way. Talk just a little bit, well, talking about the problems, talking about your fears, your worries. And, you know, sometimes we really think it's okay to worry because no one else knows we're worrying. But sooner or later, it's going to manifest out of your mouth, into your life, and around other people. So again, the spirit of fear talks about the problems. The spirit of faith talks about the solution. Um, the spirit of faith refuses to agree with the problem. We know it's there, but I'm not going to agree that, that I'm a grasshopper in their sight. See, the last verse of chapter 13, we were like grasshoppers in their sight and in our sight as well. That's one of the reasons they failed. You know, if you know who you are in Jesus Christ, you're not a grasshopper. Amen. You're not something that the devil can just step on. Amen. The Bible says actually that we've been raised up together with Christ and made to sit together with him in heavenly places. What? Far above. Everybody say far above. Far above. Principalities and power of spiritual wickedness. I'm seated together with Christ and the enemy is under my feet. I'm not the grasshopper under his feet. Amen. Of course they're going to fail if they see themselves as grasshoppers. And a lot of, even a lot of Christians, bless their hearts, see themselves as grasshoppers. They see themselves, oh, I'm just a worm in the dust. You know, worms don't like Mercedes. Worms don't like nice cars. They don't like to, they don't feel comfortable prospering. Amen? But kings and priests do just fine prospering. They have no trouble with it. They're, they don't feel ashamed to drive a Mercedes. Or to ride on a new donkey that no one's ever ridden before. Amen. That was the transportation of kings in those days. Amen. Jesus wasn't ashamed to ride on that donkey as a king. You know, they're, they're waving the palm branches and all that stuff. And he, oh, don't do this, don't do this. He didn't do that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because he knew who he was. He was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you are in Christ. Amen. You've been redeemed from your sins and you are now the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You're not a grasshopper. There isn't a giant that's too big for you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All these things, you know, COVID didn't catch God by surprise. Oh my gosh, I never saw that. No. None of this stuff did. Amen? I mean, he knew you before the foundations of the world, the Bible says. So I think he knew what was going to happen. But his thoughts towards you are still good to give you a future and to give you a hope. Amen? You're going to make it. Just don't give in to the spirit of fear. There's just a couple other points I want to bring out, then we'll be done. <clears throat> so again, <clears throat> they're talking about the problems in verse 31. You know, Caleb tried to get him to be quiet, but of course, you ever, you ever notice how hard it is to get fearful people to be quiet? It's pretty hard. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able, you can just hear the whine in their voice, we are not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we. And they get, see, notice this, the people with the fear never mention God. Whenever you say but, God should be the next word. But God, but God, not, not but the giants or but COVID or but this. What's after your but? It needs to be God. Amen. It needs to be the word of God. Hallelujah. And so it's verse 32 says, and the children of Israel gave a bad report. And then verse 33 that talks about how that we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. 
Go to chapter 14, verse 8. A couple other interesting things here. And so Caleb speaks again. Caleb still try and bless his heart. If the Lord delights in us, so the spirit of faith talks about the Lord. The spirit of fear talks about the problem. The spirit of faith talks about God and his word. Amen? Not the problem. So Caleb again, I don't see Caleb mentioning the giants ever or the strongholds. He says, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Where did he get that phrase, milk and honey? Because God said it. He's just quoting God. He's quoting the word. Amen? Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But look at verse 16 or verse 10. And the congregation set to stone them with stones. Now, have you ever noticed that people with a spirit of fear don't like people with a spirit of faith? And it, it, it's, a, it's a dislike that's not even normal. It's not even, doesn't even make sense. They want to kill this guy. What, what's Caleb doing deserving of death? Haven't you even seen that today? People with a spirit of fear, they just hate people with a spirit of faith. You know, not long ago, we were in Colorado, and the governor had some new mandates out there to protect people, he said. And one of the counties, now I'm not going to comment either way, but one of the counties actually said, you know, okay, fine, but we're not going to enforce these mandates. And I don't know what forum platform we were seeing this on, but then comments started rolling in about what the county had said. The county said, we're not going to enforce these mandates. And the comments that came in were not comments like, I don't agree, or I think that's wrong, or I think you're being... No, they were vicious. They were murderous. They were supernaturally evil comments that don't even make sense. I thought... Wow, has everybody lost their minds? I can't believe they're saying these things. We've, 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 you've all been hearing this kind of stuff. People with a spirit of fear don't like people with a spirit of faith. And they get nasty and they pick up rocks. That's what they were doing. They were getting ready to stone them. But how did this story end? Now, it, it is sad that, that so many of the children of Israel died out in the wilderness. But... Those that trusted in the Lord, they still got in. Amen. Joshua and Caleb were the only two adults that ended up going into the promised land. And God said concerning Caleb that he had a different spirit about him. Amen. So there's just a few verses I want to just share to help you with your spirit of faith. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. I think you know that. If you could please put that up. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. I want you to walk out of here and live with a spirit of faith. Amen. It says, for the, it says, you shall meditate on the word day and night. Okay, let's do this. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in. For then you, now I always thought it said, then God will make you a but That's not what it says. It says, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Amen. And let me say this. We all wish good feelings just came automatically all the time. We all want to feel good all the time without doing anything. That's like wanting to keep your weight all the time without doing anything or keep your health 
healthy all the time without doing anything. We all want that. But life in the, in the Bible really talks, there's a lot of doing in the Bible. Do this and you'll have that. Do this and you'll have that. Most of it is not automatic. Amen? We all wish it was. We wish we just felt happy all the time. We're healthy all the time. We're prosperous all the time without doing anything. It doesn't work that way. You know, that's part of what sowing and reaping is all about. So there is some work to do. But I t I've learned in my own life, and I haven't arrived, but I've learned you can do this. You can do this. I can think of a number of different thoughts that I used to have trouble with. Thoughts, you know, <laughs> well, one example recently, we have a, a property in Leadville, Colorado. Leadville's at 10,000 feet. And one day, we were gone for two days. We came home, and all the pipes were frozen. And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm seeing dollar signs, and I'm seeing plumbers and all this stuff. So <laughs> Robin said, turn on all, she wasn't there. She said, turn on all the heat, open all the valves. So we did that. Twelve hours later, we heard the water running. We're in the middle of the night, we're asleep, and that was a dream come true. I was, thought I was dreaming. All the water's running again. All the, and so then I had to run around the house and shut 24 faucets off. But anyway, even since then, we've been away from Leadville now for about a week, and I've had these thoughts come back. How cold is it in Leadville? You know, is there anyone there running the water? You know, all these, but you know what? I just thought, no, I'm not doing that. I just thought, I'm not going to sit here and worry about those pipes freezing. And uh, I've had such peace about it. And nothing's frozen, praise God. <laughs> but and that's a, kind of a silly little example. But, you know, you could get a spirit of fear about something like that. Amen. Because we've worked extremely hard, invested a lot of time and money into that property. I don't want pipes to break and all that. And uh, anyway, that's just one little kind of silly example. But I've learned... Oh, I can control my thoughts. You know, we know from Philippians chapter 4, it says, think on these things, right? It says, do not, verse 6, do not worry about anything, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everybody say everything. everything. Through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Isaiah 26, 3. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Amen. I'm not really teaching on thoughts today, but this is where, this is the battlefield because the thoughts are what eventually develops that spirit in you, that spirit of fear or that spirit of faith. It's the thought life. And that's what eventually comes out your mouth and manifests in your life. But I've learned, and I, again, haven't arrived, but that we, I can do it, and you can do it. We can control our thoughts. I, the, what, the Bible says this, and the hand of God is upon my pipes. The hand of God is upon that house, and the hand of God is there and there. And my God will not let me fail. He'll not let me succeed, because I have sought him first, his kingdom and his righteousness, and he takes care of me. Amen. And so I've been programming myself. And the Bible calls this the renewing of the mind. I don't want to be conformed to the world. I want to be transformed into a you know, Christ-like person from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. So those are some of the verses that I stand on. Uh, like I said, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This morning as we were worshiping, you know, I was thinking of uh, that scripture in Isaiah, put on the garment of praise for the Spirit. Everybody say Spirit. 
spirit of heaviness, you can overcome those things and have the right spirit about you. And the neat thing is, it's almost like, if, has anybody ever water skied? I'm, I'm done, really, but has anybody water skied? Amen? You know, when, when you first, if, if you're starting in deep water, you know, you're, you're there and you're neck deep in water, you've got your life vest choking you, and, and the boats, and you're supposed to say, hit it. Anybody know that? You're supposed to say, hit it, which is the scariest thing in your life because the boat's going to give it full throttle. And what happens to a lot of people is it pulls you up, and then he cuts back on the throttle, and you've got all this slack in the rope. Then he takes up the slack and pulls you right on your face. We've all been there. But <laughs> look, he's up. Bang. But for the skier... He's, he's in there neck deep in water. He's got his ski tip sticking up with the rope right between him. And he says, hit it. And the boat gives it full throttle. And for the first maybe five seconds, he's pulling you through five feet deep water. I mean, the water is 20 feet deep, but you're only five feet long, whatever. So you're in deep water. And it's like, it takes all the strength you have to hold on. But then suddenly, vroom, you're up on top. And that's what it's like when you get the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith, yeah, you're, you're plowing through and you're, uh, but then bang, you're on top. And that's when it's cool. You know, and all that resistance against you. Woo! Then you're having fun. Amen? All right. I'd like everybody to just bow their heads for just a moment. Close their eyes. I need to stop. I went a few minutes long. I'm sorry. Father in heaven, we just stand before you right now and thank you for the living word of God. We thank you, Father God, that we can live by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. We don't have to be afraid. Today, we make a decision to not be afraid. I will not fear. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. For the Lord is on my side. He has given me life. He's given me health. He's given me provision. I will always have more than enough. I will always be the head and not the tail. I will always be above and not beneath. Father, thank you. And I pray, Father, for everyone watching this online, everyone that's here in the building. If there be anyone today who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would receive him right now. And I ask you, I invite everybody that's in this building, I invite everybody that's watching us online. If you're watching today, and maybe you've been to church and you know of God, but you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Lord and personal Savior. I ask you, make that decision today. Commit to the Lord Jesus right now. There's no time, no better time than right now. Say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sins. Cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. From this day forward, I am a child of God in Christ Jesus. I am forgiven. I am washed white as snow, and I will live forever with God because I believe in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for this church. We thank God for you pastors. We thank you for the opportunity. And we're going to continue to pray for all of you. We're expecting wonderful things here in Fairfax and throughout Virginia. I know you've been through challenges and everything, but I'll tell you what, the greater one lives on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. Amen.